Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Hello and welcome. We are in week five of our series titled The Year of Yes. And in the series, we are studying the book of Philippians. And I don't know about you, but I'm really loving this series, especially because the book of Philippians throws emphasis on the type of partnership the Lord has called us into with him. When we made the Lord Jesus our Lord and Savior, we came into partnership with him. And I sense that what the Lord is doing with us through this series is he's reminding us of that partnership, reminding us of what it looks like to be in partnership with him and nudging us into being more active in that partnership. So our topic today is a generous life. And particularly, we're going to be looking at what does it mean to live a generous life in Christ. So let's open up in prayer together. Lord, I know that you are wanting to do something particular in each one of our hearts through this message. There are things you're wanting to change in our hearts, in our habits, in our attitudes. Things you're wanting us to give you in partnership with you. And I pray that you would prepare our hearts to receive what you have for us today and that you would give us ears, as your word says, to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us, your people, who are your church. In Jesus' name. So when I think about what it means to live a generous life in Christ. I'm reminded of the exhortation the Lord gives you and I in the parable of the the rich fool in Luke chapter 12. And the lesson of the parable is that it is foolish for you and I to invest heavily in things that are temporal, things that are not always going to be here, things that can be easily lost. And the Lord concludes this lesson with an exhortation to you and I. And we find it in Luke 12, verse 21. And he says, So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. His exhortation to you and I is to live rich toward God. And when I think of generosity in our relationship with Christ, I automatically go there. Am I living rich towards God? Now, the way we live towards God defines our partnership with him. And it's wholly important for you and I to examine the way we live towards God. So what does it mean to be generous? Let's look at a definition. The definition of generous means 
that we show a readiness to give more of something than is strictly necessary or expected. So to be generous implies giving. We must give something. But it also implies that in our giving, we must give more. And more is not a, 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 a once-off thing. More is ever-increasing. We give more. We give more. So when we are living a generous life toward God, we have developed a lifestyle of giving to Him. And this giving takes a variety of different forms, but it's important for you and I to establish that to be generous in our relationship toward God requires that we are givers. And then generosity also places the emphasis on how much we are giving. Or said another way, do we live toward God or do we live rich toward God? The latter would be considered generous. And the difference lies in how much we are giving him in partnership as we live toward him. So when it comes to partnership, we can say that being generous is about how we respond to him and the degree with which we give response to him in the partnership he's called us to. And the Lord sets the bar for how he wants to, us to respond to him in Matthew 6 verse 33. He says to you and I, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Living a generous life in Christ speaks to the level of our response and the level of our activity in our partnership with him. So let's dive into our text in Philippians today. And we are reading from Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 to 30. Read along with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. In this text, in these few verses, we find three examples of, 
of what it means to live rich toward God, to live a generous life in Christ. And the first example is the example of Timothy. Paul says of Timothy in Philippians 2, verse 20 and 21, For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Timothy lived at a maximum level of partnership with the Lord Jesus Christ. He was living Matthew 6, verse 33. He was seeking first the kingdom of God. And he did this, Paul tells us, by pursuing the interests of Jesus Christ above his own. Putting another's interests above our own is tough. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. But Timothy proves for you and I that it is possible for us to live this way. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, Timothy learned to seek first the kingdom of God. And by developing this as a habit and routine in his life, he gained a witness before men as one who pursued the interests of God above his own. And out of that came his genuine care for the people of God, his genuine care for the cause of Christ. So how do we pursue the interests of Christ? Two very simple things. We must occupy ourselves with what occupies Jesus, and we must desire what he desires. So what occupied Jesus? He was occupied with people and leading them to the whole truth of God. Jesus didn't build buildings, empires, fame, a name, a reputation. Jesus built people. And in building people, he was building his father's kingdom. It's that simple. For us to seek the interests of Christ, you and I must occupy ourselves with what occupies him. John 3, verse 16 to 17, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Lord is fully occupied with saving the world, and the world is made up with people, his creation. And when we occupy ourselves with what occupies him in this regard, we are seeking his interests. So I want to ask us a question today. Do we occupy ourselves with building people and leading them to the whole truth of God? And how generous are we in that activity, in our partnership with him? And then what did Jesus desire? John 5 verse 30, Jesus said, I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. John 8 verse 29, he says again, I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Jesus desired the will of God. And he desired to always please God, always please him. He didn't desire his own will, things of this world, or to please men. 
He desired the will of God and to always please him. It's simple. Seeking first the interests of God is simple. And if we will do these two things, occupy ourselves with building people and leading them to the whole truth of God and desiring to do the will of the Father and always please him, and if we do it regularly as a matter of routine and habit, you and I will be like Timothy and we will be pursuing the interests of Jesus Christ above our own. And as we do these two simple things, you and I will automatically be building his kingdom. A generous life seeks the interests of Christ above its own. Our second example is found in Epaphrodites. In verse 30, Paul says of Epaphroditus, So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Epaphroditus also lived at a high level of partnership with the Lord Jesus. He risked his life taking supplies to Paul, who was imprisoned. He, he took a risk because at that time, it wasn't safe for believers in Jesus Christ to freely move about and do ministry. They were often hunted down, imprisoned, murdered. But he also got very sick on that journey, and he almost died the text before us tells us. Paul gives Epaphrodites three distinguishing qualities. Look with me in verse 25. He says, I have thought necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. He first of all calls Epaphroditus his brother, He's a Christ follower like you and me. We are brothers and sisters in the family of God. And then he calls him a fellow worker, just like you and I are. We are all called to co-labor with Christ in partnership with him. But it's the third description that Paul gives Epaphroditus that reveals why he was able to live so generously in his partnership with Christ. Paul calls him a fellow soldier. Now, a soldier is one who takes his partnership with a cause to another level. When a soldier signs up, they know that they will have to lay their lives down in the cause that they are fighting for. They know they're going to have to endure hardship and even suffering. You see, soldiers go through rigorous training. They develop and maintain high levels of discipline. Soldiers endure tremendous hardship. They, they endure harsh and hostile environments. Soldiers are sent to engage the enemy. They spend months and even years on the front lines of battle. And they fight numerous battles. Just because they are sent to fight one battle doesn't mean they are exempt from being called up and sent to another. 
And soldiers take risks. They risk their life for the cause. Now you can be a believer and not have to take risk. And we can be a co-laborer and not necessarily have to take risk. But it's impossible to be a fellow soldier and not take risk and not make a significant commitment in laying down our lives for the sake of the cause. You see, a soldier gives more than is necessary or expected. And that is the definition of generosity. And it's so beautifully demonstrated in the book of Esther. Esther was a believer and she was a co-laborer as a practicing Jew. But there came a time where God asked her for more in his partnership with her. Esther was living in the palace married to the king and the Jewish people were about to be wiped out by an evil, evil wicked ruler named Haman. And Mordecai, which was Esther's uncle, came to her and asked her to go to the king and plead for the life of the Jews. Esther received her call-up papers from the Lord. And she had to make a decision about whether she was going to take her partnership with the Lord to the next level. It meant she had to risk something. And in this case, it was her life. Because in that time, you couldn't just go to the king without being summoned. And Esther says these now well-known words in, in the Christian community. She says to the Lord, I will go. And if I perish, I perish. The Lord might not be asking you and I to take the same risk he asked of Esther. But what risks are we taking for his cause in our partnership with him? We have so many more examples of men and women throughout the Bible who were called up to be fellow soldiers for his cause. Moses risked his life going before Pharaoh and demanding that he let God's people go. David risked his life going out against the giant Goliath to defend the people of God. Elijah risked his life by killing 400 false prophets that Jezebel had set up in Israel that were misleading the people of God. Deborah, the judge and prophetess, went to battle with Barak, risking her life. John the Baptist, he lost his head because he confronted the sin of King Herod. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, she laid her life down, risking her entire future by saying yes to partnership with the cause of God. And the list goes on and on. There are so many that we can draw example from. These are men and women who lived rich toward God. They lived a generous life in partnership with him. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 3 to 4, we are told to share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. 
through Jesus Christ, you and I have been enlisted into the cause of God. Are we fellow soldiers in this cause to build people and bring them to the full and whole truth of God? In 1 John 3 verse 16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. We ought to lay our lives down for the brothers because he first laid his life down for us. Living rich toward God means that we lay our lives down for the sake of the cause and for the sake of others as we build people and lead them to the whole truth of God. And our third example is the Philippian church. Paul is writing this letter to a church, a corporate gathering of believers. He's not writing it to an individual, but to a church. The initiative to support Paul while he was imprisoned was birthed out of the corporate gathering, the church. And, and these believers had partnered with Christ in his mission corporately by partnering with their local church. In verse 25, Paul said, I have thought it necessary to, to send to you Epaphroditus, your messenger and minister to my need. Paul calls Epaphroditus the church's messenger and minister of his need. You see, in partnering with the Lord personally, we by default come into partnership with his body, which is the church, his hands and feet here on earth. We cannot be in a partnership with the Lord Jesus Christ without being in partnership with his body. And in this partnership, the believers in Philippi gave liberally as individuals so that the church could carry out its mission in partnership with Jesus. Notice that Paul calls Epaphroditus the church's messenger and minister. The, Paul, the church sent Paul a message. It was most likely one of encouragement because he was in prison. He was seeking first the interests of God. He was a fellow soldier in the cause, laying his life down for the sake of others, for the mission of Christ. Who can you and I send a message of encouragement today to? Which missionary, which worker in the field, which leader, which, which person involved in, in partnership with Jesus can you and I be an encouragement to? And the Philippian believers also gave financially and materially, they sent supplies to meet Paul's material needs. This is another aspect of living rich toward God. 
So our tithes and offerings that we give to this church in partnership with the Lord's body in his cause and mission here on the earth goes to a variety of things, but it goes to supporting those that are doing that work. It goes towards paying salaries. It goes towards the operations of the church, to social responsibility, to the havens and the various projects that we are involved with. And 25% of all the income that the church receives through our tithes and offerings goes to supporting international and southern Africa, church planting, apostolic ministry, missions and missionaries. That is partnering with the cause. If you want to know more about where our money goes when we give in partnership to this church, I encourage you to join GM on the 30th of March between 7 and 8 p.m. So are we generous in our financial giving to the success of our corporate mission in partnership with Christ? Living rich toward God means that we give financially and materially in partnership with our local church. So in closing, the question before you and I today is, are we living rich toward God? And there's a modern day story that was so profound, it really touched my spirit and, and motivated me in taking my partnership with the Lord to higher levels of generosity. There is a church in South Korea that, is, that was planted by Pastor Yonggi Cho. You may or may not have heard of him. And at one point, it was certainly the largest church in South Korea, but at one point it was the largest church in the world. And I don't know if it still is. I haven't kept up to date with with that information. But in Pastor Yonggi Cho's book, The Fourth Dimension, he, he reflects on how they got there. And they started with a small group of people as a church. And when the Lord gave him the vision to build a church, they had nothing. And as a small church, as they stepped out in faith, in this exercise to build this church the Lord had called them to build. Economically, one crisis after another hit them. Many of their members lost jobs. The dollar went down in value and the building went up. And the building contractors stopped building and wouldn't keep building unless they revisited that contract with increased fees. He even lost his home, him and his wife. They lost so much. He got to the point where he seriously considered taking his life. And he shares the journey that they took here and how the Lord led him to fast and pray. And then the whole church started fasting and praying for God to help them as they had made this commitment to step out in faith, but everything seemed to be falling apart. And as they were fasting and praying, something amazing happened as God touched the hearts of people to be generous 
in giving. And I want to read you a story of one particular woman. And I'm going to read it in his own words because he puts it best. He says, one day they were in church. One day an 80-year-old woman who had no children or no support and who was barely living by the help of the government came to the platform trembling and weeping silently. I knew she had something to say, so I listened. She had brought her old banged-up stainless steel rice bowl, a pair of chopsticks and a spoon. Offering them to me, she cried and said, Pastor, I want to see you delivered from this situation. I want to see you helped, for your ministry has been such a great blessing to me for many years. I want to do something, but I have no money. This is all I have. And holding up her old rice bowl, chopsticks and spoons, she added, I want to give it all to the Lord's work. I can eat out of a cardboard box and I can eat with my fingers. Everybody's attention was focused on this elderly woman as she spoke. My own heart was melted. My lady, I said, I can't accept this. It's all that you have. You need these to eat your meals every day. I cannot accept them. She broke down in tears again. Wouldn't God accept this gift from a dying old woman? Wouldn't he? I knew that this isn't much help to you, but I want to give something. Suddenly, one businessman stood up and said, Pastor, I want to buy that. And he paid nearly $30,000 just for that old banged up bowl chopsticks and a spoon it's such a powerful story and it touches on all three of our examples that we've looked at in this text in Philippians before us you see how far we will go for him and how much we will give to him and how active we will be in our partnership with him is entirely up to us our partnership with Christ requires that we live a lifestyle of ever-increasing giving. Giving is not static. We don't get to a place where we stop giving. It's dynamic. We keep giving and giving generously. So beloved, say yes to the partnership the Lord has called us to in living rich toward Him. Let me pray for us. Lord, you are doing a work in each one of our hearts through this message. We have been challenged today. We have been challenged to live rich toward you in our relationship with you. And I pray for everyone listening that you would give us the courage to yield to that work you want to do in each one of our hearts. To bring us to maximum levels of partnership with you. I pray that you would show us where you want us to make adjustments. Where you want us to develop new habits and disciplines. 
in our partnership with you. I pray specifically for those that are struggling right now financially, Lord, that have lost jobs and lost income. I pray your promise over them in Matthew 6, verse 33, that as we partner with you, as we seek first your kingdom, it triggers your ongoing faithful supply as you meet all our needs. I pray that over them, Lord, and over the situation they are trusting you for. In Jesus' name. And if you are watching and listening today and you have not made a decision to come into partnership with the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to receive Him as your Lord and Savior. Say yes to partnership with the Lord Jesus Christ. Say yes to the life He has given us. And if you have made that decision today, please contact this number that is now on the screen so that someone can pray with you and someone can connect with you. Enjoy the rest of your day.